You're listening to Fit Girl, Your Guide to Getting in Shape. This is podcast episode number 196. I'm Kira Langolf, your host and guide to getting in shape. As a professional fitness trainer, it's my job to get clients in shape quickly and keep them healthy. In this podcast, I'll reveal to you the shape up secrets I use along with training, nutrition, and motivational tips and advice. I'll set you straight on what works and what is a waste of time, and I'll be your guide to your best body ever. Check out my websites at fitnessmakeover.com and coachkira.com. In this episode, how to end binge eating with your subconscious mind, being thin and being lean, is there a difference, and a focus on abdominal workouts. So it's kind of interesting that we just had a conversation about The Biggest Loser and some points that you could take from that program. And this podcast, I'm talking about whether being thin and being lean is the same thing or what the difference is. And I have not been following The Biggest Loser for a while, but I did notice some comments online about the winner of this year's program. And apparently, um, a lot of people felt that uh, she looked not healthy, too thin, or almost anorexic. Now, on the one hand, it is a competition, and the goal is to lose the most weight or most percentage of their weight. And if muscle weighs more than fat, then yeah, she may have sacrificed some muscle in order to actually win the competition. I guess only time is going to tell whether or not that was the case. Um, If she put some weight back on, the comments I read said that she looked better before. So hopefully that's all she was doing was uh, to get that weight down for the competition. Um, Because, as you all know, being too thin is not healthy at all. And, of course, anorexia leads to a whole other uh, slew of not only diseases, um, heart failure. I mean, there's just so much that is not good about that. So fingers crossed that it was just a plan to win the show and not a permanent thing for this girl. But that's another unfortunate side effect of people dealing with getting in shape as pounds, as only the weight on the scale. So... You have to be aware the weight on the scale is not as important as how you look, your muscle tone, and, of course, how your clothes fit. So your muscle is always going to take up less space. It's tight. That's why we call it tight and tone. And it's going to take up less space than your fat. So don't worry about the scale. If anything, you want the scale to go up so that you have more muscle to increase your metabolism and to look better in everything you wear. And unfortunately, this... Uh, Biggest Loser episode winner just kind of gave the wrong impression of what losing weight should end up being or end up looking like. So, you know, give me your opinions. Go on the Facebook Fit Girl USA page and let me know what you think if you saw it. Um, If you didn't, uh, her name was Rachel, and I think you can just Google Biggest Loser winner controversy or whatever um, because it didn't take me long to find some pictures and to see what everybody was talking about. So let me know what you think. Well, since we're on the subject of weight loss and one of our topics today is being thin versus being lean, and what do you think right now before I even say anything? Do you think there's a difference? Well, I sure hope so because they're not necessarily the same. Now, if you're thin, does that mean you're lean? And if you're lean, does that mean you're thin? Well, no, they definitely are not the same thing. So let's take a look at what thin means versus what lean means. Let's begin by looking at a definition of each one. 
So if you were to define thin as having a small size or maybe a small circumference, this you would note by a small waist, small arms, small legs, anything that is small in diameter of the body, as well as a low body weight in relation to your height. Now, if you're looking at the definition of lean, that is more measured by your overall body composition. This means you're going to have a low percentage of body fat versus the percentage of, of lean mass, which is your muscle and bone. Now, you might be surprised to find that thin people often are not lean at all. And you may have seen that in people who are anorexic or people who are starved. You'll see the thinness not necessarily lean muscle, but you see very small, thin body parts. Now, you might be thinking, how is it even possible to be thin and have a higher body fat percentage than someone who is lean and actually bigger than that thin person? Now, let's take an example and use some numbers. Let's say we have two women that are both 40 years old and they're both the same height, let's say they're five foot seven, and they both weigh about 120 pounds, or we'll just say a solid 120 pounds. Now that's pretty much on the thin side, or small size, I should say, for somebody of that height. It's certainly not overweight by any means. So let's say the first woman has a body fat percentage of 25% and a waist size of 30. And woman number two has a body fat percentage of 16, and a waist size of 27. Now, they both will look thin, but woman number two is actually leaner because of course she's got the lower percentage of body fat. Now, that seems kind of obvious, but she's also got a smaller waist. And they are very similar as far as the actual sizes of their waist. So, you know, it might be hard to determine without knowing the body fats. So how is it that two people can be the same age, the same height, the same weight, but one can be so much leaner than the other? Now keep in mind, they had the same weight, but one had 25% body fat and the other one 16. That's almost 10%. That's a huge, huge difference in terms of body fat. The biggest difference between the two is atrophy, muscle atrophy, the type that occurs when you can't use your muscles, maybe when you're bedridden or you're sick or there's some other disease that is preventing you from using your different body parts and muscles. Now, you don't know how often I have to explain to people that muscle does not necessarily atrophy at a rapid rate past a certain age. Now, it does to some degree, but not as much as everybody wants to think um, in terms of their metabolism. Now, if you're, let's say, around the age of 25 and you do nothing at all, no resistance training, no strength training, and you just sit on the couch, yeah, you're going to lose muscle. But that seems obvious again because you're not doing anything to activate that muscle. So by the time that person gets into their, let's say, mid or late 30s, they've lost a significant amount of muscle. Now this is where I think the confusion gets in place. Once your body begins to atrophy, you can actually lose a pound of muscle per year. And that can be replaced by nearly two pounds of fat because muscle is more metabolically active. And of course, if you lose that, your metabolism is gonna slow down and you're going to allow for extra storage of fat. So when you calculate it out, it can actually translate to about 10 to 15 pounds of lost muscle 
and maybe even up to 20 to 30 pounds of extra body fat by the age of 40. And this is if a person does no form of resistance training. So it's quite likely that by the age of 40, even though they could appear thin, they would have a much higher percentage of body fat than you could see with the naked eye. Now, you might notice that I said resistance training, and that is not the same as cardio training. And oftentimes, people skip the resistance training, and they do their general exercise for health, and they'll walk, or they'll jog, or they'll bike. But the resistance training is the thing that's going to keep the muscle. Your aerobic exercise will develop little to no muscle. You'll use it, sure, but you're not gonna be developing it, you're not gonna be increasing it, and you're not gonna be getting that benefit that's gonna prevent you from having body fat increases as you get older. So indeed, your resistance training is your most important activity for anyone looking to have a healthy life. And let's also quantify that your healthy life isn't just eating the right foods, isn't just going out for a walk every day. It's your quality of living. So your strength is directly proportional. If you can't carry your packages into your house, if you can't pick up your grandkids, uh, if you can't do simple things without getting tired or sore, that's where your strength training keeps your muscles to where they're most functional And with that also comes an increase in your flexibility. So your resistance training not only does your strength, it also keeps your muscle. It also helps you build a little bit more muscles so that you don't have anything replaced by body fat, or I should say you don't allow for body fat to take over because of a slow metabolism. And it also helps your flexibility. So those are some pretty key components to a healthy lifestyle. The American College of Sports Medicine actually recommends resistance training two to three times a week for a healthy person, especially adults. If you need help putting together a program, then definitely you need to check out with a fitness trainer or you know, go ahead and go to any one of my websites. And we got, I've got programs, I've got audio programs. I mean, there's just a slew of information out there as far as at least to get you started on the basics. Now, some people want to be more advanced and that's fine, but you know what? Your basics are always going to do the best things for you. Squats, that's just like sitting down in a chair. Push-ups, not always the best because a lot of times people have shoulder situations, but some sort of row. And again, you don't have to have a lot of equipment for this. Some rubber bands will do the trick and get you a great full body workout. And just in case you're wondering, shameless plug here, my DVDs are still available on Amazon.com and there's two of them that feature the resistance bands and they're called Got Bands and Got More Bands. So there's no excuse for not being able to do some sort of workout. So next time you see someone who looks thin, realize that doesn't necessarily mean that they are lean. Now I know we usually associate being overweight with different risk factors for health, but a higher percentage of body fat is just as dangerous. So remember, your goal isn't to become thin, it's to be lean. Now in motivation, we're gonna talk about binge eating and your subconscious mind. And we know how powerful your subconscious mind is. And that's the little voice inside your head that talks to you. And sometimes you hear it and sometimes you don't. Unfortunately, most of the time we act on it, but we don't necessarily hear it. And that can come in the form of cravings and binge eating, different things that are playing our emotions against our actions. 
Whether you realize it or not, everything you say or think, your subconscious mind hears. And that means anything that is positive or negative and anything that you say or think about yourself. So your subconscious kind of acts like a sponge. It soaks up tons and tons of information and some of this information you're not even aware of. But everything you come in contact with in your daily life gets absorbed into your subconscious. And when you think about how much stimulation we have, whether it's radio, TV, reading, internet, there's just so much going on and sinking into our subconscious mind. Now, unfortunately, it will also stay in our subconscious mind. And you're not always able to put a filter through what gets into your subconscious mind. You can, however, change the way your subconscious mind thinks about these different things. So for example, sometimes you might say to yourself, why am I so fat? And so when you say that, your subconscious mind actually focuses on the fat part. It doesn't hear the rest of it. Or if you say, I feel fat today. Well, your subconscious mind doesn't say, well, that means you're not going to feel fat tomorrow. It doesn't hear any of that. It just hears, I feel fat. So it focuses on that and becomes programmed into your mind. And of course, what your subconscious mind gets, it's going to give. So if it thinks that you're fat, it's going to force you to do what fat people do or what your perception of fat people do. So it might not necessarily be what they do, but whatever your perception is, which is buried deep down there in that subconscious mind, that's what it's going to drive you to do. And a lot of times it's making bad food decisions or skipping workouts or whatever. And again, these are all things that you're not even aware of on the conscious level because it's so deeply ingrained in you from things that you've read or things that you've seen on TV. And it's just all that going on inside your head, which you are not in control of. Kind of a scary thing, don't you think? Now in the fitness makeover program, we focus on controlling your thoughts and by using your I am statements so that you can reprogram your mind so that it supports your goals rather than knocking them down. And this is equally important if you are a binge eater or you have different um, obsessive compulsive issues or anorexic, you need to fill your mind, starting with the conscious and seeping into that subconscious mind about what you want to be or what you know you should be doing. That's why it's an I am statement. It may not necessarily be true at the moment, but that's what you're feeding your subconscious mind to be. And this is very important because you need to know that your subconscious mind accepts any and every piece of information as true. It does not differentiate between sarcasm or between just a joke or anything at all. Whatever you tell it, it's going to think is true. You've probably heard the phrase, you are what you think you are. And change begins in thought. And these are very true phrases. They're not trite at all because you do begin to become what you think of. So you've definitely got to put some powerful statements into what we call your control center, which is your brain, your subconscious mind. And this is why these I am statements, or some people might use affirmations, work very well because your subconscious mind doesn't distinguish what's real and what's not. So knowing this, you can use it to your advantage, especially when you find yourself thinking something negative. Because when you do, you've got to turn it around right away and correct it with the positive version. And that's going to help erase 
that negative programming. The main purpose of reprogramming your subconscious mind with I am statements or affirmations is so that you can change your current reality, basically change your perspective. And just to let you know, this is what the Retrain the Brain program is all about. It's helping you focus on different things to change those thoughts, add some I am statements, give you some different things to work with, tools to help you make those changes in reality so that you can actually achieve what you really want in life rather than creating obstacles that are really just obstacles in your brain or your subconscious. So when you're thinking about yourself, what do you want to attract? And start putting that in an I am statement. I am strong. I am lean. I am thinking of words. <laughs> but anyways, fill in the blank because we all have different goals. And same thing with your binge eating or any other issues that you might have. You can say, I am in control of my eating. I am in control of my emotions. Did you notice how it's phrased? I did not say, I don't binge eat, because that's a negative. So you change it and say, I am in control of my eating. And sometimes you have to really think hard about how you're going to take something and make it not negative, but put that positive spin. And I don't mean positive in the sense of, you know, yay, all excited, but positive in an affirmation type form. Your thought patterns are going to help you in every area of your life. And this goes along with anxiety, personal development, just wanting to improve yourself or overcoming different obstacles or fears or self-sabotaging. By adding some I am statements and some affirmations into your life, you can actually increase your self-esteem and self-confidence. Now, it's not always going to feel comfortable when you begin because your, your mind is fighting you. It's already ingrained with this negativity. So these statements that you're saying, your, your mind is going to say, what? That's not true at all. But that's okay. The more you say it, the more it's going to believe it, the more it's going to hear it. And it's just like anything else, with that repetition, you're going to get the change that you want. And this is why we always recommend writing these statements down, putting them on a 3 by 5 card, sticking them throughout the house or in the car or wherever, and reading them every single day. Because it's just like your exposure to other things. You know, when you think about your TV and the commercials that you see, all of that is constant exposure. So if you want to change your thoughts and change your life, you need to change the way you think. And that's going to be through repetition. Reading it, saying it, thinking it, all go together. And that's really the only way you can change yourself. And you know what? You are the only one that can do it. So if there's something in your thoughts or something in your life you want to change, Make those I am statements and read them several times a day. And I think you'll be happily surprised that you end up getting what you want. Now in training, I know we've covered abdominal exercises and how to do them and which ones are best. And yet I still see in the gym, obviously these people aren't listening to the podcast, uh, people doing those side bends and twists and other things with weights that just shouldn't be done ever. And those are not exercises that are going to change the way your abdominals look. So first of all, in order to see the abdominals, you have to be lean. Your body fat has to be lower. So that's number one. Take a look at yourself. Do you need to be leaner? Great. Then you can work on that at the same time as working on your abdominal muscles. But working on your abdominal muscles alone is not going to make them show up. 
okay? You build the muscle, and then you're going to see it when the body fat comes off. So anyways, when you're doing abdominal exercises, there's two main ways to work the abdominals. One is crunches, and one is reverse crunches. Now, again, I'm going to tell you side bends, twist with a stick. Maybe you like that because it feels good, but just because you feel it in that area doesn't mean that it's actually activating the muscle so that the muscle can change. Sometimes you can move your fingers up and down and they're going to feel tired, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to get stronger and grow. So you have to be very aware that you're actually using the muscles that you intend to. Now with a crunch, unfortunately most people will pull on their head or lift up their shoulders and real, realistically you need to be pulling from the abdominals. So you need to be able to tighten your abdominals and then use those abdominals to pull your body upward. And a lot of times you're not strong enough to do that. And I see a lot of people on the uh, exercise ball, the Swiss ball, doing crunches and they're coming up real high and real fast and they're doing a million of them. And that's just kind of telling me that, you know what, you're really not isolating your abdominals. Because if you were truly using your abdominals to lift your entire body up, you would not be able to do that many. So there's other muscles coming into play. Sure, you're going to feel it, but you're also using other muscles at the same time. Now, realistically, on the ball, you're stretching over as far as you can to get that deep stretch all the way through the abdominals, all the way down um, towards your hips. And once you get that deep stretch, you're kind of starting like a zipper from the bottom up. You're going to pull in those lower abdominals below the belly button, then the belly button, and then you're going to tighten the abdominals as they go up, and that's going to pull you upward. Now you're mimicking a crunch on the floor, <coughs> excuse me, which means that you're going to only come about level with the ball. So if you're coming all the way up, you're getting some lower back into play on that one. So the next time you get on a ball, or even just do a crunch, think about activating those abdominal muscles before you actually move. Now let's keep in mind too that the lower abdominals or, I mean, you can't really completely separate them, but your lower abdominals focus would be with the reverse crunch. And oftentimes you'll see people doing leg swings or hanging leg raises. If the hips are not rotating, you're not working the abdominals. You can swing your legs all you want. You're working those hip flexors, those things that get tight and can pull on the lower back. You're gonna feel the abdominals bracing you because they're actually working isometrically but they're not being activated as the prime mover in that particular exercise. And I can't tell you how many times I see it, the legs swinging back and forth, um, people's on the side of a bench going up and down and up and down. And you know what? A lot of times their stomach may be tight or flat just from everything else they do, not necessarily from those exercises. And again, if you're doing it right, you don't have to do a lot of them. So keep in mind, anything that's going to focus on that lower half of the abdominal area is going to have some sort of pelvic tilt in it. So if your hips are not rotating up and down, try some pelvic tilts first, and you're going to feel that area below the belly button, not beneath the belly button, but below. And that's the area you want to hit when you're doing those raises. So realistically, if you're doing a straight leg raise, your beginning point would be with your knees bent and you would rotate from there. There's no need to put the legs all the way down or straight because that's not providing any other resistance. It's just kind of forcing you to use your hip flexors 
And again, that's going to take the place of the abdominals and you're not going to get the proper work. Now, unfortunately, there's still a lot of people that do these exercises. There's trainers that teach these, these exercises. And, you know, even the biggest loser competition, you'll see them doing some of these exercises. Well, it doesn't make them any more effective because a large group of people are doing them. You need to focus on each particular muscle and doing it correctly because not only is it going to help you get faster progress, it's going to work the right muscles, which means you're not going to have some glaring imbalance. And a lot of times that happens when people's hip flexors get too tight. Their lower back goes out or they end up with a slooping posture. You know, there's always some sort of uh, consequence to improper form. And since I'm full of shameless plugs today, I might as well do this one too. At the um, pro shop, I actually have a couple of ebooks about different exercises and some weight loss secrets. And of course, you'll find in the podcast and the Get Fit TV podcast different videos of how to do these exercises correctly. And you'll see, especially for those lower abdominals, which so many people want to get tight and flat, and a lot of it has to do really with what you eat. Uh, those lower abdominals are very small movement. You know, when you think about the fact that your crunch is really just kind of rounding your shoulders a little bit, using the, the abdominal muscles to pull your upper body down a little bit, well, your lower abdominals do the same thing. So it's always a small, small movement. Now, the great thing is with both of them, like I said, you really can't separate them. So when you're doing the lower abdominal focus, you exhale and you tighten the upper abdominals at the same time and vice versa. So you're actually working everything as efficiently as possible and that way you work out less and you get in better shape faster. And that's what everything's all about. Getting the most for your time in the gym by doing the right exercises the right way. Now of course if you need more help with that you can reach me one-on-one -on -one at coachkira.com. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. If you'd like additional information on these topics and more articles on health, nutrition, and motivation, visit fitnessmakeover.com, allinoneworkout.com, or coachkira.com.